Welcome back to Return to Oz Minute, the daily Monday through Friday podcast where we're analyzing the 1985 film Return to Oz one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And this week we are continued to be joined by... Chris Callahan. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you very much for having me once again. We're, we're glad you could come back. We're glad you're sticking with Belina and Dorothy on this adventure. Although, I think at this minute, it might have been the first inklings if I was a kid watching this, I might have run out of the room. No! All right. Well, well I'm glad I'm glad you st- you're still here. Yep. Today, we're talking about Minute 26, which starts with Dorothy explaining how to cross the deadly desert. And it ends with her exploring a lunch pail tree. Which totally makes sense in this movie, for the record. If you haven't seen this movie, that might not sound like it makes sense, but A, you should go watch this movie. And then you'll get it. Or at least go back and see the minutes with Pons Mar ably wheeling a lunch pail away. Oh, uh, yeah, this is the return of lunch pails. So w- Chris hadn't joined us yet. No. She had a lunch pail that was taken from her. Oh, no. Injustly, I thought, uh, when she went to go stay with Dr. Worley. But now there's a whole tree of these things. But before we can get there, because that's, I feel like a lot happens in this minute compared to our previous ones. Starts with her explaining they're just going to use these rocks to cross the deadly desert without turning into sand. Yeah, if only Anakin had known this trick. Uh, This movie uh, kicks in some new soundtrack for us as she goes across. Uh, They make it to the grassy knoll. Insert conspiracy theories here. Mm. And... As Dorothy is explaining that they're going to go, since this is Oz, they're going to go see the Scarecrow, the King of Emerald King of Emerald City? King of, King Oz, of Oz. In Emerald City. Sorry, I had those out of order in my notes, and I was like, that's, that's not right. Um, they're going to get some breakfast, they're going to go on an adventure, they're going to enjoy Oz, this is going to be great. They find a lunch pail tree, she's starting to check it out. But interspersed with all these plot moving forward developments oh boy get those weird eyes popping out of the rocks not like that oh oh boy well maybe it's for the best you didn't see this movie as a child yeah, definitely <laughs> could see if i saw that as a kid i'd be looking out at rocks everywhere when would they change would they all look at me you've already survived doctor who's blink so that's true this is this is nothing. This is nothing. Uh, yeah, some of these rocks get one eye that blinks. Some of them get a face. Yeah. It comes and goes out of different rocks. It doesn't look very impressed with Dorothy's plan. Yeah. Was my thought. I don't know. Mike, where do you come down on these on these rocks? Uh, well, you know, when looking at the script, uh, we simply see the rock. As we watch, an eye forms itself out of the granite. So, you know, not entirely unfamiliar to Chris growing up as a kid. Granite. The old man of the mountain. The only rock face I could respect. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh. And you know, starring Dwayne Johnson, uh, you know, no one saw that coming. Uh, playing the rock, <laughs> especially in 1985. <laughs> yes. Uh, I always thought it was a. Uh, it was pretty interesting growing up in uh, a slightly wooded, forested, rocky area. Uh, we had a number of large rocks in the backyard that were mm-hmm. that were kind of like this. So uh, I never really thought they were afraid. I kind of looked for faces on my rocks and mm-hmm. to lesser success. Are you sure? Maybe that, I mean, because they can disappear. These things happen. Yeah, that's growing up in New England. I mean, especially Connecticut. I think Connecticut is just one giant rock with some dirt over it. Because when there's a lightning storm, that's always the concern. <laughs> um, we had a couple really, we had a lot of stepping stone rocks. And then we had one big rock that if you were a grown up dad, who also smoked but wasn't allowed to in the house, it was the perfect height for sit leaning against. Uh. And if you were my little sister, it was the perfect height for your big sister convincing you to take a giant golf umbrella climb on top of the rock and jump off to see if the umbrella would make you float. Hmm. How did that end up? It could have been worse, okay? There was a roof that could have been involved that we tried to... Yeah, we got caught by then, but we definitely went off the rock a few times with the umbrella to see if we could get... Because it was kind of on a hill, and it's like, well, if the wind is right, it'll carry us like Mary Poppins. (laughs) Let's launch over it. (laughs) What could go wrong? Yeah, none of our rocks had good faces though you're right i don't i didn't particularly look for faces in our rocks but even the stepping stone ones didn't have good Hmm. a couple of them had divots that made cool shapes when it rained but no faces also asking for movies by minutes podcast is sean connery and nicholas cage's the rock that's true oh i didn't even think of that I did not expect to make that connection today with this minute. Kudos. Oh, boy. Um, I do have a question when she gets across the stepping stones. and ju- First of all, it's great how she, like, raises to jump to the grass. That's adorable. When she lands, Belina says something. Can can you guys make it out? Because it sounds to me like she says never dead, which makes no sense. Uh. See, I don't think I heard anything of note, but that's even... That's not even she makes of, some uh. noise. Huh. But unless she is a pirate, there is no reason for her to say that then. It doesn't match with what Dorothy says right before. Because Dorothy's like, whew, we made it. Yeah. It's weird. I missed that. Huh. I I could swear, listeners, anyone out there in the universe, back me up, please. <laughs> now, here's a question. When they mentioned the Scarecrow, I forgot. Was he named the king at the end of The Wizard of Oz? Or how did that come about? In the movie or yeah. in the book? Oh, yeah. That's the trick. That's the trick. Okay. So by the book at this point, when she left Oz the first time. I think so. Because because the wizard of Oz, the the wizard of Oz leaves. 
Yeah. And the scarecrow takes his place okay. as leader. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's that's more or less what happens. Okay. okay. So there's a sorry. So she knows that he becomes king and then leaves. Okay. Yeah. Well, once he gets that diploma in thinkology, uh, uh, yes. the scarecrow is ready to lead. So it's like, look. Makes perfect sense. Give me that crown. Yeah, I don't like the King of Oz. I always thought it was like Mayor of Emerald City, but maybe not. Maybe mm. not. Or definitely not in this case. She very clearly says. Um, Dorothy, I love in this minute what I thought is that Dorothy has inherited her exposition ways from her Aunt M. Because Aunt M in the early minutes back in Kansas was very big on explaining okay. everything that was <laughs> happening, everything that you had missed putting all the pieces together <laughs> and Dorothy is kind of getting like that with Belina. Now she's the one who has all the answers, but she can't help her. So she's like, look, a lunch pail. Tra-. It's just like, <laughs> it's like okay. okay, cool. <laughs> um, but it's worth it because Dorothy had said they were going to go find some breakfast. And when she says, look, a lunch pail tray, Belina says, what happened to breakfast? What happened to breakfast? Oh yeah. my god, it's so great. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, and for the record, none of this is in the script. <gasps> really? Well, uh, uh, the, the, the lines that you're so fondly recalling, Dorothy does talk about uh, going over to those trees to see if we can find some fruit or nuts or something for breakfast. Then we'll go visit the Scarecrow. Belina says Scarecrow. Dorothy says he's the King of Oz. Mm -hmm. But the lunch pail tree reaction is she just walks up and sees a lunch pail tree and then takes a pail. Pshaw! (laughs) Yeah. In the next minute, Belina gets another good line that was not in the script. Oh man, that seems to be happening quite a bit. I wonder if that's something Denise Breyer brought to it once they started recording. Actually, shoot. Here's another how movies get made thing that I've never questioned before, but now seems perfectly obvious that this would be something you'd have to figure out. When you have a voice actress doing a main character. Yeah. I mean, Belina's a main character. She's not the main character, but she's a main character. Do you f- do all that recording after filming? Because you do the voice recording after the filming. Because you always see in the behind-the-scenes stuff, they're lining it up with what's on the screen. Yeah. It has a little beep thing so that they know to get ready. So how does that... So this must have been written at some point because you couldn't improv... Some of it you could. I mean, some of it, let's face it, all we're seeing is the butt of a chicken or a chicken puppet. You can say whatever you want there. No one's going to know. But sometimes she is, I mean, when she talks to Dorothy and it's a full on, like they're looking at each other, we're right there. Her beak is moving. Like the timing is worked out. Like, I, I don't know where in this process, who in this process added all this stuff. Yeah, what's that thing when it's ADR when they have to re-record yep. stuff at the end? So. That's when they yeah. record something like off the screen okay. and then add it in. 
So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'll blame it as ADR. <laughs> but I don't know where, you know what I mean? Like, you can only improv so much within those parameters. Yeah. So I don't know how that gets decided. You don't think Ahmed Best was there wearing a chicken on his head for Dorothy to act against? Ahmed Best. It was the 80s. We got puppets at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and the question actually made me think about the script. I saw that the so the director co-wrote the script. Do we know much about sort of development, like sort of how much was was it, how like the writing process was? Any word on that? You, we've had some questions about that, <laughs> as you can tell from our silence. Um, the the keeper of the script. What we have is what is it? The seventh draft. Okay. Uh yes, draft okay. seven. Uh, Wow, they did a lot of work on that. Okay. Yeah, and it's huh. clearly not the final, but it's very close. Okay. Um, which I'm deeply indebted to you, Mike, for finding. <laughs> Just wonder if it's easier if it's since the director was one of the co-writers, that he, since he's directing it that day, he'd be more open to slight changes, mm. as long as it seems to fit for things, as opposed to if he was directing someone else's script and the script writer didn't like changes. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. I, as someone who writes, I'm so used to assuming that the authors and screenwriters and basically everyone involved in the written word of movies has no say in the actual making of movies. It's... <laughs> That's kind of what I've been uh, led to expect from the industry. <laughs> Maybe that's how he got his co-credit. Yeah, I wonder. Huh. Although that's a whole other beast of who's allowed to take what credit for what legally and, and guildly and all that fun stuff. So who knows? Makes me think just a, a little tangent just for current stuff going on. The developments of the Han Solo movie issues over directors wanting to make some changes that the screenwriters weren't happy with mm. directors credits at this point when new changes you know it's a lot of a lot of things they have to sort out and with a, a lot of uh kind of the major differences being either a Bellina line that wasn't in the script or is heavily changed yeah i mean i may not be able to exactly know how much of that was just getting the actress you know on set or behind a mic and mm -hmm. maybe they always intended oh well any scene with Belina when someone's not talking Belina can just punch up the action a bit if if needed or maybe as as things were going on they were like she's great look yeah. here are these quiet scenes uh Dorothy says some stuff can you react yeah and she was just like, oh, I'm never dead. <laughs> that's the one thing. And I'm not certain that that's what she says. That's just the closest I can tell. But yeah, that's, that's the only one. Everything else is like these perfect little punctuation on what's going on in the screen. Well, just... Um, no, no, go ahead. Just before that, Belina, it sounds like Belina says something else, but it's really drowned out by the by the piano right at that second. Hmm. So I'm not, I'm not sure. 
Maybe that would at least explain how she got onto the words never again. <laughs> or maybe, because Dorothy says, we made it. I almost wonder if it's supposed to be something like, if it's supposed to be something like, I never doubted you. You know what I mean? Like, we made it. Cool. Great. Yeah. Like, it's gotta be, that's the only thing that makes sense there. Hmm. But I can't make it, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> No, I was just going to say that a lot of people have a lot of problems with this movie. And honestly, if my one thing is like, I can't make out this line. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty well, actually. No, I'm good. I'm definitely coming back. I am all in on Belina, even with this confusion. So we've gotten to a lunch pail tree. This is, uh, I guess, the first uh, inanimate object that has arisen in Oz. Uh, from Kansas that has now shown up as its alternate in Oz. Ah, uh, yes. Unless the chicken coop counts, but it's the same coop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, we have issues with the coopness of that crate, so yeah. let's let's just leave that in the deadly desert and move on with our adventures. <laughs> um, are you excited to see lunch pails again, Mike? I am. I've always found lunch pails to be fascinating. <laughs> I was not expecting that response. Please go on. <laughs> uh, someone who grew up in the lunchbox era, you know, lunch pails are sort of uh, 1920s skyscrapers, cartoons with the guys like legs that move up and down. It's, you know, it's that time period is carrying the lunch pail. Yeah, what were you saying? I just thought of like, this guy sitting on like that steel beam, like twenty stories in the air, the lunch pail. Yeah. And once we open it, I mean, it's just a whole new world. Next minute. Oh, I was gonna say we will get there. Actually, is that? I'm curious to see. Yes, I love that. That's a Friday. That's your treat for the end of the week. Hey. Is we'll get to see inside a lunch pail. <laughs> Could be inside. Lunch. No. Oh, Sounds good. <laughs> it's breakfast after all. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. What happened to breakfast is such a great line. This is, you know, and Pippin's one of my favorite characters in all of Lord of the Rings, and I'm noticing a trend in the characters that I like. Second breakfast. That's not how he says it. <laughs> Sound more like Ren from Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah, why would Ren be a hobbit? That's uh. not a thing. Kylo uh, Ren Minute. Uh-oh. That would be totally different. He, I don't think he would like a lunch pail tree. What? Yeah, he'd be too cranky. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Lunch pails never really held that fascination for me. I, I was very enamored of my kindergarten lunchbox once I was allowed to have a lunchbox and I never, and with the thermos, yes. the plus, yeah, I, oh, I never looked back. Actually, it was the golden age. In the room where we're recording, we can see my first lunchbox. I got an ET lunchbox. I was around three, I think when I was starting preschool, really excited about that. Yeah. It, it is the metal ET lunchbox that I... Thought was amazing, and then I saw this. And he's like, "Oh yeah, my baseball cards." And then I was like, "This is coming to the apartment right now." <laughs> so don't worry, it's tucked away, Mike. When you come over, you don't have to be afraid of it. 
I know you're not a fan of the E.T. <laughs> well, I think it's appropriate that you put your lunch in uh, a box for eating. So. Hey, I like it. I like it a lot. Mine was Barbie. It was pink plastic. It was not as exciting. Actually, I must have had one earlier for preschool, but I don't remember it. I just... Actually, was it Barbie? It was definitely pink. But yeah, that smell of the plastic lunchbox, and then the thermos, the unscrewed oh, the cup, yeah. and then the inside the cap that isn't the cup, and then uh, mine, the sticker would always start to peel, and I would, like, panic. <laughs> Preserve it. Yeah. Well, I had one that had like the hologram. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Anyway, sorry. This has been 80s Kids Minute. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, now see, I'm with Belina of I'm a breakfast food person. I realize the world sorts into different types of people, people who like E.T., people who are afraid of E.T., People who love breakfast food and people like my silly sister who does not enjoy breakfast food. Uh-oh. I think she's insane. Who doesn't enjoy breakfast food? She's just uh. like, what's the point? You can just eat whatever when you wake up. <laughs> what? Which, to be fair, actually, if I wake up and there isn't breakfast food, I, I will just eat whatever. I don't <laughs> care. As long as there's food in the morning, I'm good. But, yeah, I love, I actually, when I went to grad school, I lived in the dorms purely because I realized if I did that, I could get a meal plan for a dining hall and someone would make me breakfast every day and then clean it up. Because that's my thing. I don't mind making myself breakfast, but I do not have the energy after eating it to then deal with cleaning all the pans. Yeah. (laughs) So, dining hall was great for me, even if it wasn't the best food, it was still like, you're going to you're going to make eggs to order every day if I ask you to? Yeah, I'll swipe in. I'll take it. I don't need to be a grown up with an apartment yet. <laughs> and now that we're talking about breakfast food and the dorms and how to scam your yes. way into a meal plan as an adult. <laughs> I think I think we've reached the end of the minute. I think we have cuz I was about to say well, our guest today is quite the aficionado uh, of breakfast sandwiches and where you can get one all day in various parts of Boston. And Everyone. you know what? This is not relevant for most of our <laughs> listeners. So I think you're right. I think we should call it a day and come back tomorrow when we have even more action in the land of Oz that we have returned to. So until then, you can find us on Twitter at Oz Minute, on Facebook at either Oz Minute or the Return to Oz Minute Listener's Flying Sofa. Post your favorite breakfast sandwich. <laughs> hey. Why not? Or different breakfast food. You know, we're open to all types. <laughs> oh, breakfast can come in sandwich form, non-sandwich form. Post what's in your lunch pail if you're carrying one today. Post oh. your favorite lunch pail. Post your yeah. first lunchbox. Post your current lunchbox. We would welcome all of them. But tomorrow I'm going to peer pressure everyone to post a picture of their lunch. Just, you know, get ready. (laughs) Have your cameras ready to go. Uh, Yes, we are also online at returntoozminute.com, also known as weogtiogpiog.com. And And on that note...
Tiog. 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 <laughs> Whimsy.